Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Tonight, let's jump into the scripture we're going to really just chew on. And it's going to be in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. And if you want to stand with me in honor of God's word, uh, what this is, it's a quick little verse. Uh, but we're picking up right at the first call of Abraham. And this is before he was even known as Abraham. He was just known as Abram. So he doesn't even have the big nickname change yet. He's still Abram. And this is the first calling. Um, that, this is the first time the Bible mentions him. This is the first time that God is calling him. And this is what it reads in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. It says this. Said the Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. That's pretty cool. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Wow, that's a big, I mean, that's a big promise that God has laid out for Abraham. Or Abram now. Uh, But before you be seated, turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message is Enraged, Enraged, (laughs) but Unchanged. Enraged, but Unchanged. Y'all may be seated tonight. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for the opportunity you have given us just to gather under your name in this building for you, Father. Uh, We just come in tonight with open minds and soft hearts, ready to receive what you have for us, Father. I thank you, God, that this message is one that we're not going to take lightly, and we're just ready to learn more about you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So before I get into the rest of what I'm going to speak on tonight, I'm going to have a quick story for y'all. So yesterday, me and my dad, we went golfing. And the thing about golfing with me is that I'm pretty terrible at it. And so this is like first time I went golfing, like probably like ever, at like a real golf course like in my life. But I've been to driving ranges a couple of times before. And that's where you just go and you don't really try to get the ball in the hole. You just practice your golf swing. You all know what I'm talking about, the driving range. So I've been there a couple of times. And again, I'm not good at golf. So I'm just trying to find my swing. And if anybody knows golf, then you know that everybody has a unique swing. Like, nobody's golf swing looks the same or, like, you know, or acts the same. Like, everybody has a unique golf swing. And the challenge is, when you're golfing, is that you got to find your swing. And you're going to find it, like, what feels right. Like, how far away do you have to be from the ball? And, like, how much do you have to angle your club? Like, there's all these little different little details you have to figure out before you can figure out your golf swing. And so before I went golfing, um, like at a course, I was at the driving range trying to figure out my swing until I finally said, you know what, I got it. Like I was semi-consistently hitting it right, and it was having some good distance on it. And so we felt, me and my dad felt ready to finally go out to the golf course. So yesterday we made it to the golf course, and we went to the golf course in Goliad. Why did we go to Goliad? Because we knew not a lot of people were going to be there <laughs> to see us totally fail at golfing. So we went all the way to Goliad. It's a small little golf course, but not a lot of people were there, and that's how we like it because we're just trying to, you know, get better at golf. And so I'm up here. I'm excited to test out this golf swing I thought I had figured out. And the very first 
swing I take, you know, I did my practice swings, I did everything I thought I needed to do, and I go, and I hit it, and I just shank it, and this is a terrible hit, and, like, it goes out of bounds, I'm like, what is going on, this was working, like, a week ago, like, the same exact golf swing I'm doing is totally, like, it, it's, it's, I'm not having the same results I had before, uh, but me being hard-headed, I said, you know what, I'm not going to change anything up, I'm doing that golf swing, because I, I spent hours trying to figure out that golf swing, I ain't going to give up on it now, so hole after hole, I kept on using the same golf swing. And time after time, I kept on shanking it. And I kept on, like, I was doing terrible. And my dad was laughing at me. We were having fun. Um, and I was just doing so bad. And it wasn't until after, like, the eighth hole, I said, okay, you know what? This is getting ridiculous. Like, I am doing terrible. Like, I knew I was bad, but I didn't knew, know I was this bad. Like, I was doing terrible. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to change something up. And I just changed the smallest little detail. All I did was, you know, like, here's the golf ball right here. All I did was just move up six inches closer. That's all I did. Uh, and it totally changed my swing. I said, you know what, it's a small change. It was a little change I did. It totally changed it up. And the first time I did it with that new small little change, I hit the ball perfectly, and it went, like, you know, 300 yards. And my dad looked at me like, what did you just do? Like, but... Just like, you know, and, and I kept on doing I did that small little change, you know, over for the rest of the, of the um, time we were there. And I didn't get that much better, all right? I got marginally better, but I improved on from before. But when I was thinking about um, what we're talking about, because tonight we're talking about change, and when I was thinking about it, sometimes just like my golf swing, a small little change in the right direction makes a big difference, right? And we're, when we're talking about change and and so I was thinking about that story, and like a couple of weeks ago when I was praying about, hey, God, like, what do you want me to speak on tonight? I was praying. He kept on telling me, talk about change. I was like, I don't want to talk about change, right? Because everybody knows, like, change is, like, the worst topic to talk about with people. Because, like, whenever you start talking about change, people stop listening, right? Like, change in today's society is like a four-letter word. Like, the moment you start, you can, like, pump them up with, all these good details, but once you start talking about change, people are like, oh, wait, what? I got to do something different? And they start backing up, like, I don't want to do anything different. I don't want to change. My I don't want to change. And so when God told me to talk about change, I got a little nervous because I know that's, like, that's a tough topic to talk about. But I know it's something that we need to talk about. We need to talk about change and why we must be open to it. Right, because nobody wants to talk about change. Nobody wants to participate in change. Like when you start talking about change, people start getting nervous. They start looking around, making sure that at the end of this message, we're not going to have like, okay, write down the things you're going to change or whatever. We're not going to do that tonight. But people get nervous when I begin to mention change. And I, I was like, man, people must really not like change. I was thinking about it. Then I, then I was thinking, I was like, actually, people love change when we're talking about other people changing for them, right? When we think about change for that, like, oh, we love change when that happens. Like, oh, what? These people around me are going to change for me? Oh, I love change now, right? We love change when it pertains to other people. But I think it's funny because we love it when somebody changes their, their schedule for us, right? We think that's so important, and we also kind of expect people to change for us. It's, it's weird. But when we ever, we think about changing our schedule for somebody else, we're just like, like it's totally out of the question. And so we have this weird relationship with the thought on change. Because, like, ironically, we expect everybody to change for us while we refuse to change for other people. And not only that, sometimes, like, we get so caught up on changing the things 
changing the things that are outside of our control. Like we get so worked up about things that are so far outside of our control. We get so worked up about it, like, oh, if only that changed, that it's way over there. If that changed, my life would be different. And we focus on these things that are so far outside of our control, right? And we ignore the things that we can control, right? The things on the inside of us. Like we get so worked up about Judy from accounting's attitude, right? We get so worked up, if your name's Judy, I'm sorry. Like we get so worked up about so-and-so's personality or whatever, something we have no power over, we get so worked up about it, but we ignore our own character. We ignore changing our own character. We, we ignore the things we can't control, and we get worked up about the things we can't control. So we're, we're trying to, like, why, why do we have this weird relationship with change? Because we become so upset, we become so enraged, right, about the things around us, but we remain unchanged about the things inside of us. I'll say that one more time. <laughs> we become so upset and enraged about the things around us, but remain unchanged about the things inside us. But if there's one thing I am sure of in my long 22 years of living, is that change is unavoidable, right? Change is going to happen whether we like it or not. Change is unescapable. Change is unavoidable. Like, there is no way we can expect to change not to happen to us. But here's the good news, right? We can, change can either happen to us by default or by design. It's our choice. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is taking a new look at change. So you can either change in the direction of your calling or change in the direction that is comfortable, but it's our choice. So turn to your neighbor and tell them change is coming whether you like it or not. Because, you see, Abram had a choice when God called him, right? Abram had a choice. Because God said, look, Abram, your family's going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. Um, like, you're going to be famous. I, th I thought that was a weird, weird word God used. Like, you're going to be famous. You know, like, God's telling him all these things to Abram. He said, now, all these things are going to happen. Now, you need to change. You need to leave your family's um, land. You need to leave your hometown. You need to move and tell you where I'm going. You see, when God calls us, he calls us to change. See, a lot of us think when God's calling is, is when, when he, but it's God's calling, but it's our choice, right? When God calls us, it's our choice to change or stay the same. So for us to do that, we need to start taking charge of our change. And that's the first point for tonight is that you need to start taking charge of your change. See, when God called Abram, he told him his future. He told him, look, all these great things are going to happen to you. All these things are going to, are like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, he gave him this huge calling on his life, but he said, it's not going to happen unless you change. Like God called him, but he said, I'm calling you to change. A lot of us think that God calls us, but then we stay the same, right? We can't do that. When God calls us, he doesn't call us to, to stay the same, but he calls us to change. And we can see this every time when we look out throughout the Bible, when we look at, you know, Jesus' life, every time he called a disciple, every time he called somebody towards him, he always said, you know, they all, he, he called them, but then it was their choice, right? When he called um, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and they're, they're fishing, right? They're just doing their thing. And then he looks at them and he calls them and says, hey, stop what you're doing, follow me, and I'll teach you to be fishermen of men. And they looked at him, dropped their nets, and followed him, right? They were called, Jesus called them. And then they, it was their choice to change 
And to, they could either stay the same. They could have kept on fishing, right, and totally ignored him. Like, what's this crazy dude doing, you know? But they felt his calling, and then they changed. You can see this trend happening over and over. When Jesus called uh, Matthew, the tax collector, he said, hey, Matthew, drop what you're doing and follow me. And what did the next verse say? Matthew dropped what he was doing, and he followed Jesus. It's always, it's, there's always God's calling, and then you change. God calls you, and then you change. God calls you, and then you change. When God calls us, it's our choice to either stay the same or change. I don't know about you, but I want to change in the direction of God's calling. When Jesus forgave the adulterous woman, right, and he, and he saved her from death, from being stoning, and all her accusers left, and then he picked her up, and he was like, where's your accusers? He said, they're all gone. He said, that's right, they're all gone. Your sins are forgiven. And then what did he say? Now go and sin no more, right? Now go and change. You're forgiven, right, but now you need to change your lifestyle. But see, sometimes things will not get better until we change, right? I mean, some of we, we, we love to complain, but we hate to change, right? We love to complain about our problems. We love to complain about other people. We love to complain, complain, complain. But when it comes back to us, we refuse to change, right? When it comes back to us and we look in the mirror, we look at everybody else, but we suddenly look at us and say, hey, you know what? Maybe if I change, then things will get better. But sometimes our promise is just a small change away. And I, I hate to, I, I just think about how many promises, right, are in this room, are in this world, are waiting to take place, but they're waiting for us to change. They're waiting for us to change our mindset, our lifestyle, or we're just one act of obedience away from making those promises from God's calling a reality in our lives. You see, once we take responsibility to be obedient and take charge of our change, then we step into our calling. Because like we just talked about, change is going to happen whether you like it or not. There's no avoiding change. So you might as well use it, right? Whether we like it or not, change is going to happen in our lives. But if we choose to take charge of our change, then we can um, use that change and go in the direction of God's calling. You see, if we don't take charge of it, then we lose the direction of it. See, we can't expect God to take us to new places, to better places, where we, we, but at the same time trying to stay in the same old places, right? We always want God, God, I want something new. I want something better. But at the same time, I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything different. But, at, but God, I, I want, I, like, and we're asking God to do something that is really impossible, right? We're asking God for new things while we're doing old things. So we've got to start taking charge of our change. And I was, I was, I was reading you know, Genesis and the story of Abram. I came across something cool that was just a couple of verses before this. And it's Genesis 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 31 through 32. See, the first point was, uh, you know, take charge of your change. And then I was reading this, and I saw something else. If you want to read it with me, it says, One day Terah, which is Abram's dad, looked, looked, took his son, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. Hopefully that's right. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there, where Terah lived for 205 years and died while he was still in Haran. You see, Abram's dad Terah 
was on his way to Canaan as well. Same as Abram. He was on his way to Canaan. But it said he settled for her Haran, and he settled for what's safe, and he settled halfway. So in the beginning, he settled halfway. I don't know how about you. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times people settle for halfway marriages, right, for halfway experiences, halfway jobs, or halfway responsibilities. They settle to be a halfway husband. They settle to be a halfway son or daughter or wife, right? We, we get so caught up in selling for halfway because halfway is safe. Because when you settle for halfway, that's, that's doing a lot, but it's not, that's not really changing. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of settling for half of what God has promised me. I want the whole thing. You see, don't settle for what's safe. Because for what, what's safe usually means that you don't change, right? Because we love, we get caught up in the idea of what we know. And when we change, we go into the idea of doing something we don't know what will happen, right? So we say, you know what? I know that if I stay here, it might not be right, but at least I know what's going to happen. Because if I change, I don't know what will happen. But I know if I stay here, I know what will happen. And I believe Tarak got caught up in that. I think he was on his way to Canaan where God was taking him. But then he found this little comfortable place called Haran and said, you know what? I know God's calling me like, you know, more, to do more, to be a better person, to have a better lifestyle, but I'm pretty comfortable right here. And he settled halfway. I, we've got to stop selling for half what God has given us. You see, when you're unwilling to change, you only receive half of what God has for you. But I, what I like about Abram, even though Terah, his dad, who he look, looked up to, settled for halfway, he didn't, right? Because a lot of us sometimes we, we, we look at the people, we, we think, hey, you know what, my dad was an alcoholic, therefore I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an alcoholic. He tried to change, he tried to beat, he didn't, what makes me think I can, right? Or my, my mom dealt deal with this addiction, and she tried to break it, and she tried to do treatment, but she couldn't, what makes me think I will break it? But just like Abram, what did God tell Abram? He said, look, if you are willing to change, not only will you be blessed, but your whole family will be blessed because of that change. How many first-generation Christians we have in here who were willing to change, and now their children's and their children's children will be blessed because of that? See, just like Abraham, you gotta be you gotta be willing to lead your change. You gotta lead that change, even though. You know, all your, your family might be caught up in the same things or your parents or your parents' parents. You might have all these generational things that are on you, but you can lead your change for your family. I think that's awesome that God has given us the opportunity to even do that. See, when we decide to change for the better, it doesn't just affect us, but it affects the people around us and also the people who come after us. We got we to gotta lead the change. And we've we got to stop settling for what's safe. See, when you, when, when you stop selling for less and challenge yourself to change for the better, that's when you start seeing your promises and what God's calling you to do come into fruitation. Because what I love, what I, what, what I love when I follow the, and I do this life of Jesus is that every time I change for him, I see a promise come afterwards. It's always after obedience that I see God's uh, promise take place. It's never before I changed or I see, you know, God's promise take place. You know, it's after change. 
It's after I, I, I do that obedient thing he's telling me to do. It's after I leave behind these relationships that he's calling me to leave behind. It's after I break these addictions or habits or lifestyle, right? It's after change where God changes us. And so that's the second point for tonight is that we can't settle for what's safe. Are y'all enjoying tonight? Now, I was, I was still reading about, you know, the life of Abram, the early life of Abram. He got this nickname. And I thought it was cool because this nickname ter- turned into, like, a, a, the, the name for all his descendants. And it first mentions it in Genesis 13, uh, verse 13. It says this. It's really quick. It says, but one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to the Mamre the Amorite. And I'll stop there because the rest isn't really important. But basically, Abraham, or Abram still at this time, got the nickname Hebrew. And what does Hebrew mean? Hebrew means that it, what, what Hebrew translates to is, is literally a passer-thrower or nomadic. That's what Hebrew means. You see, Abraham and his descendants got this, became known for or got this uh, persona of being somebody or being a group of people who is constantly changing and moving. They were in constant state of change. As a matter of fact, the only thing that was constant in their life was change. And that's, that's the third point is that change is constant, right? Change is going to happen whether we like it or not. That's something that Abraham knew. And see, the only thing that really defined their lives was the voice of God. And they were constantly in a state of changing. They, were, they never settled. They never, they never got comfortable. They were constantly changing God's, you know, changing t- according to where God's voice was taking them. You see, to be in the will of God is to be in constant state of change, to be in a constant state of change. Because there's one thing I knew in following God and doing this Jesus journey is that it never looks the same over and over, right? And if your life is looking the same over and over and over, then maybe something needs to change. Because I believe when you follow God is when you're in a constant state of change. Because God is constantly building. God has a huge vision on our lives. God's promises on our lives. We can't even wrap our minds around it. And for us to get there, for us to accomplish that, we have to be willing to keep on changing for him. And that's what Abraham and the sentence became known for. They said, oh, that's Abraham, the Hebrew. And that wasn't even a good thing. That was a bad nickname. They're like, this guy, this, this is, his family's constantly on the move. They, they never build houses. It says that they lived in tents and they would just constantly move around and never stay for one place too long. Because the only constant thing, the only consistent thing in their life was change. And I thought it was interesting. Because, first of all, you know, God is never going to call you to stay the same, right? He's going to call us to change. But I found it interesting that the first time all of Abraham's descendants gathered and said, hey, you know what, this is nice, and they settled was Egypt, right? Because they, 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 God promised them to go to Canaan, but they decided to, to, to take a little, little, little stop, and they all gathered, and they settled in Egypt, right? And we know the story. Eventually, they became slaves in Egypt. I think it's interesting because sometimes the things we settle for, we become enslaved to. Sometimes we get settled somewhere. That was good, right? Sometimes we can settle for things. We settle for this lifestyle. We settle for this comfortability. And before we know it, we become a slave to that lifestyle. And before we know it, we we feel God calling us, but we don't want to move because we just love this lifestyle so much. 
Uh, this is what happened with, with Abraham and his descendants. I mean, Canaan was their promise, but they stopped moving and they settled for Egypt where they were captured as slaves, right? Not right away. Eventually, they, they became strong. And so the Egyptians say, you know what? We're going to make them our slaves. And it, they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. You see, the moment the Hebrews settled for something other than the promised land, they became entrapped in their comfort. See, because, again, what you settle for, you're enslaved to. And when you stop changing is the moment you stop growing. And Abraham and the descendants and the Hebrews, they, they, they say, you know, we've been following God's voice for a long time, but we are just so comfortable in this place, Egypt, because they're a power, powerful country. And, they, and at the time, they were, they were their friends because Joseph was was a Hebrew, and he had high command, so they had favor in Egypt, so they got so comfortable that they stayed there, but they were eventually enslaved to it. But we've got to never stop changing, never got to stop growing, and we've got to never stop getting better in the ways that God has called us to be. So that's the third point, is that change is constant. If you want to stay in the will of God, you have to know that you're going to be constantly changing. Because God is always going to bring us to new places, to better places, to places that require us changing our mindsets, our habits, and our lifestyle. So if you want to follow in the footsteps of God and stay in the will of God, you have to make sure and you have to know that that's going to take a constant mindset of change. And like I said, we look at change and we think it's super risky. Because change means we're doing something different. And we do something different means we're doing something we haven't done before. So we look at change and we think, man, change is risky. But as I was studying change through God's eyes and how God viewed it, I realized that change is cheap. And that's the fourth point tonight, that change is cheap. Why do you say change is cheap? Change is cheap when you realize the price of not changing means, you know, you losing everything, right? You realize that change is cheap. When you realize that the price of not changing will cost you everything. When you receive the revelation that refusing to change removes you from your purpose, all of a sudden you're like, hey, change doesn't seem that risky at all. Because not changing means I'm out of the will of God. And when I'm out of the will of God, that's going to cost me everything. So therefore, right, change is pretty cheap. Does anybody hear me tonight? Change is cheap. And the number one regret in people's lives that people have is that they regret not changing when they could. You know, people, when, when, you, when you talk to people who's lived their lives, they, the number one regret isn't, oh, man, I wish I would have, you know, partied more or I wish I would have done this more. Their number one regret is, man, I wish I would have changed. I wish there's some things I wish I could have changed, right? People's number one regret is always wishing they could have changed. There's opportunities all around us just waiting for us to take that moment, to take that opportunity and say, you know what, I see God's promise. Now I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to change my lifestyles according to where God is calling me. But the thing about change and why change is, is so important is that the window of change can shut really quick, right? Like, God is waiting for us, and God has always given us the opportunity to change. But if we don't act on it quickly, that window is going to shut. And before we know it, we're not even going to have the opportunity to change because it's been 20 years past. But when to answer God's calling is to change from your old ways and to line up with his. When God calls us, we have to be willing to change ourselves, change our mindset, change our lifestyle according to it. And I know change is difficult. 
I'm still trying to get over the, the, the idea that I need to always be in a mindset of change. But what I realized is that when I'm changing myself and I'm scared of it and I'm, I'm scared to change my ways according to God's calling, right, I'm basically saying, God, I don't trust you, right? Because when God is calling us somewhere and we don't want to change according to that calling because we're scared of what might happen, what we're doing is saying, God, I trust me more than I trust you. And I don't know about you, but I'm always, I believe that God knows way more than I do. And the moment I start thinking I know more is the moment I know I'm wrong. And so when I know that change, when God is calling, I know that change is on the way. And as I'm closing tonight, I know this was kind of a quick message, but as I'm closing, the closing point for tonight is if you forfeit your calling, you forfeit your calling when you're unwilling to change for it. That's why change is so important. Because if you're unwilling to change, you forfeit who God's called you to be. If you're unwilling to change, if you're unwilling to change your lifestyle, your habits, your perspective, and you say, no, I just want people around me to change. I don't want to change. I just want the people, uh, I want my family to change. I don't want to change. When we refuse to change, when we refuse to, to change according to God's will, we forfeit our calling. You see, church, don't let your unwillingness keep you from God's will. Because all God requires from us is just a little change according to his direction, right? That God, that's all God wants us to do tonight. Will you stand up with me tonight? There are some things in this house that need to change. There are some things in our lifestyle, there's some habits, mindsets, and perspectives that we have to change, that God is calling us to change before we can become the per- person he wants us to be. So tonight, before we sing a song in a little bit, I want us to ask God, what do you want me to change? What is the mindset I need to change? What are the relationships I need to change? What are the things in my life that must change before I can step into the life you called me to live? Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.